Hello and welcome to episode 17 of the LES. This week we're joined by Curly from Islet, and in two days he'll be supporting Foles at Cardiff Castle. But for now, he's chatting to us and he talks us through the whole Islet journey. From winning awards and playing in America to what it means to express yourself through music. Sit down and soak it up. My name is Alex John Williams. Um, I am a Homo sapien who lives in <laughs> Cardiff, the United Kingdom. The major point of that is united because we are all one peeps, yeah. and uh, everyone should love that fact. Yeah, I like music. Yeah. Um, I really like music. Um, <laughs> it's one of my favourite things in the world. And I play in a band called Islet, and I have played in a couple of other things as well in my time, um, and that is where I am, really. Any, any of the other ones still going? No, no. I mean, like, so I've been, I've been uh, I was lucky enough to help Steve Sweet Babu play in kind of one of his, uh, for a couple of albums, uh, Sweet Babu, and Sweet Babu is still a thing. And still a wonderful thing. So, um, yes, we've always still going. But most other bands that I've played in, unfortunately, were um, are no longer now here kind of thing. Um, yeah, the classic things move on. Yeah. So how, yeah. how did, did Islet come to be with you and your musical career? Islet came to be. So the, the story of Islet is one of, like, the incarnation of Islet is without me. And then I kind of, like piggybacked on after a couple of gigs because I was like their biggest fan and um, and super into the peeps as peeps because they were all my friends. Um, so I let started with Mark Emery and JT um, buying a bass, um, the same Hofner bass where we've broken the tuning peg and I need to find a new one um, <laughs> before hopefully the practice on Sunday. Um, and the gigs. And the gigs. And the gigs. And the gigs. Uh, they bought a bass um, uh, together and uh, decided that they were going to make some music kind of thing. And so Mark and JT are brothers and they used to be in a band called Attack and Defend. Does anybody remember Attack and Defend? They were a class band. When I first moved to Cardiff, they were one of my favourite bands. Like They were just the three brothers. Um, it was kind of two keyboards, a bass guitar and a drum set and they would make just a wicked, wicked noise kind of thing. And... Um, they the the attack and defend kind of started becoming less and less of a band and then because of that they decided to do something different so then Islet was formed and then they played a couple of gigs and i know them all from the classic cardiff story of um because it's such a wonderfully small city everyone gets to know each other um very early on so if you go to any gigs you'll start seeing the same people at gigs. And I started working in a coffee shop on Castle Street and Mark worked in the same coffee shop. Um, and then my band that I'd moved to Cardiff with was called Frederick Stanley Star. And we got signed to Shape Records as their first non-attack and defend 
um, release, um, which then meant that I got to meet all of the brothers and JT. And then from there, it was like they played a couple of gigs and they were ec- they were just like already like just a wicked band kind of thing on from from the first gig straight on. And then um, there was taught then uh, basically after a couple of gigs, they were like, oh, well, why don't you join in? And I was supposed to be on like sound effects. So like the idea of me and the band was supposed to be that like we're going to. We're going to have the three of them playing and then I was going to be manipulating sound like reverbs and delays and distortions live on stage. A bit like there's a band called Mission of Burma, if you remember them. And they had like the sound guy was actually like the fourth member, fifth member of the band. I have no idea how many people were in the band. Um, And then he would do like weird post-production things live on stage. Which is always a thing I've always thought, why don't more bands do? Because, you know, dub music yeah. is wonderful music with just tons of, like, effects on it kind yeah. of thing. So the producers of dub music are kind of more known than the actual bands that would play the kind of tunes because it was more about what the producer did to the sound and what it was like, that kind of thing. Yeah. In live situation, there's never really been a lot of kind of visceral experiential understanding of what you can do with effects and what you can do with the sound of a band you know you've got the band you've got the sound person you've got the PA that's like the holy trinity and then the audience hears exactly what the band is playing come through the membrane of what the sound guy can do kind of thing and certain sound guys can be super creative and add effects and stuff like that but most of the time the sound guy is like an overworked person who for a lot of the time, seems to hate music. (laughs) And I don't know why they've still got their... Like, you know, you're just like... Like, we... Because early doors, I had two drum kits in the band. So we would rock up to, like, to to places and then speak to the sound guy and be like, okay, so this is our situation. We've got two drum kits, a keyboard, a guitar and a bass. And they'll be like, well, you can't have two drum kits on the stage. And you're like... I would beg to differ there, sir. And they're like, no, I don't want to do two drum kits. We haven't got enough microphones. You're like, that's cool. Then let's not mic up anything and we'll just go pure raw. And then they'll be like, no, we're not doing that either. And there would be such a friction between the more, um, what's the best word way to say it? Um, uh, Surly of sound people kind of thing. (laughs) That like, you would just feel like, it's so simple. Like, you know, like, it's so simple. And I don't, like, like sound guys are amazing and sound people are amazing. Um, but, like, also, like, you just, you just got to run with the, you know, you can't have too many preconceived notions about what you can actually do on stage because the whole point of getting up on stage is that you're supposed to be, like, taking borders away. Like, that's a creative act. Like, we should not be putting borders onto too many of the creative acts that we do because yeah. that's annoying. And that's just not really why a lot of people get into creative acts because they want to do fun stuff and show how transcendental living can be and how we can all have these moments and we anyone can have those moments. Like, you know, there's that's a wonderful aspect of the live show. Um, and just live music in general kind of thing. But so my job, but my idea of me being an islet was supposed to be that I was going to be this person on stage with a bunch of like little pedals, like guitar pedals. And then I was just going to like live, just change the kind of like the dynamics of it and be like kind of like that. And then I realised I didn't have any of the skills to do that. <laughs> like I didn't have the pedals. Uh, I kind of didn't really have the kind of understanding of like what would be necessary for then for me to then take that to the sound desk. Um, 
and like because you know it was obviously I was not going to have a laptop like kind of thing like you know that yeah, yeah. it was going to be like a, a, a thing um, that wasn't going to involve a computer and then so I was like oh man I don't know if I can do this and so then I basically just started playing in the band because it was way <laughs> easier than like trying yeah. to figure out how to do all of the effects um, and then uh, and they're just stuck and then um, and then uh, that's basically how. I got into the situation and then from there we had like a set of songs already recorded like already written by like Mark Ems and JT which was the first kind of mini album um, and then we kind of went straight into the recording studio to record them and then from then it's just been um, uh, so a long time. When did you join them? When, when, like, when was that? Like, I'm so awful at dates I have no idea I'm so sorry. It was <laughs> over 10 years ago. And um, then how long I suppose how long was it between when you joined and then an album arrived? An album was released, should I say? Released, I'd say that like we did it pretty quick, so it was within the year. Yeah. Um, because the songs were already written. Because you guys were playing live a lot, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we've been lucky, like been able to do low, like a lot of fun stuff, kind of thing like that. So yeah, we um and like that period was um was a really kind of like busy um that first like situation because we we were like really lucky in terms of. Like we did a couple of shows. Like we played a a, a show in Swansea um, at the is it the Monkey Club? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure if it's any longer. I don't know if it's I there anymore. Yeah. Even no, no. Yeah. And so that's the only time we played there. But basically, it was part of like a kind of weekend um, uh, kind of um, gathering of like music industry people and and stuff like that and so John Rostrum who was like a big fun kind of like person and personality of like set up Zoom festival and um, stuff like that he was kind of doing stuff at this um, thing and he was always a big fan of ours and we played a few shows and he'd seen us a couple of times and so one of his things was that like to be a good band and to get noticed you don't need to have like everything set in place you just need to be a good band and then he set like so a few people came to see us at that Swansea show and then we're like oh actually yeah like fair dues like um and we didn't have any internet kind of uh what's the word I'm looking presence, for I guess. presence yeah. is the absolute perfect word my friend <laughs> and so because of that we got known as a band that didn't have a MySpace page when MySpace was kind of in decline and like it was one of those where you're like well you don't really need a MySpace page to be a band anymore yeah um Although as much as I absolutely loved the golden era of MySpace yeah. bands, because that was classic. <laughs> um, like we just, you know, like it was one of them. We didn't have, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, this band doesn't have a MySpace page. They're well rebel. Like, you know, like, and you're like, it's not really that we're well rebel. It's just that like things come and go and technologies kind of like surpass each other and that like there was no need for us to be like kind of like that band. And then we were pretty weird live. So then people were like, okay, like, wow, like what's going on here? And so we got offered like loads of gigs, like real early doors kind of thing. And so that was really fun. Like we got to That's do sick. So you probably got to hone your craft almost and, and your sound. How would you describe the Islet sound? Um, right now? in flux if I had to use some words right now because we're like in a kind of like situation of like in another period of change like uh, like I let for a couple of albums we had like exactly the same setup and exactly the same um, kind of idea of what we wanted to make and that was kind of loud and weird and um, dancey and fun with also kind of just being a little bit more kind of like abstract and mm -hmm. 
understanding of like the idea of that like you know there's a lot of things you can do in music not all of them make sense and that's a good thing kind of thing yeah, yeah, yeah. and so like we're we, we we definitely have always tried to be a band that kind of doesn't make sense in a lot of the decisions that we make you know and like that can be in many different ways and it's like you know a lot of people always talk about like you know like whether like things are obvious or like um or mysterious and stuff like that and that dichotomy of the creative act is always one of like subjective understanding mm. but like the thing the, the interesting thing with being in a band is that like you get to create that understanding kind mm. of thing and that's one of the fun things and that's why everyone should make a band in the world is because you get to make something that's more it's the sum of its parts yeah. and also more of it like then and then you get to make a story for it and you get to through active participation live a life through this thing kind of thing and that's one of the most fundamentally interesting things about a band is that it it gives it gives life where there isn't anything. Kind of yeah. like, you know, you really do make something from nothing. And so as I learned, we've definitely tried to make stuff that we ourselves felt was weird kind of thing. Like, you know, so we've always had that as a kind of a subconscious understanding between all of us is that like, if it sounds too identifiable or obvious or kind of just just not interesting to us, then it's just not part of what we are, kind yeah. of thing. Yes, but to get there, then so like because you're deliberately being no deliberately creating something that you think is weird, right? So what do you what do you then you personally and then obviously the other members of the band then find and use as an influence? So that is the main problem with that, and it's why it's kind of like one of. Being in lots of, I've been in a few different types of bands and like trying to be constantly interesting is really difficult in a band situation because it takes so much work and so much awkwardness as well. Like Interesting as a, as a part of the band to the yeah. rest of the band or interesting yeah. as a so band to, in general? So to be as a part of the band. So yeah, like okay. to con constantly be like, oh, this is something like, you know, like you're making something and then like for everyone to be interested in it kind of thing and as much as that you're like oh okay cool like this is really interesting like I did not expect us to go here or like I did not expect this to sound like that kind of thing because it all takes work and so you know you got your classic thing someone comes to the practice room with a riff or you got a couple of chords and you can kind of straight away you hear those chords and then you can kind of hear where that is going to go mm -hmm. or what that kind of sounds like when everyone else has in a proper band that can go anywhere kind of thing and normally doesn't go to somewhere where your head would go immediately kind of thing because there's so many other things that layer on top of it and the way that like a kind of a, um uh, an interesting band in terms of what i find an interesting band should be is that it's the work of lots of different ideas. And so it doesn't come across as just like a one fully formed idea. It's a lot of things pulling at each other. It's lots of things trying to stop that thing from being so whatever it could possibly be kind of thing. So it's like, um, that's why like proper bands would be awful bakers because like 
baking is all about harmony and it's all yeah. about making sure that everything works and you get it comes out as this perfectly formed beautiful kind of cake or whatever it is you're making a proper band every time it comes out of the oven it should be an awful mess <laughs> like an awful mess is that your then, definition of proper band <laughs> yeah. my own interpretation of a proper pasta band. Is what yeah. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely would, would you say like though in terms of, in terms of influences it's not necessarily concrete in terms of, right, we cite this band as influence and more abstract in terms of, say like Bowie is a classic example of someone who constantly seeked or sought to get sounds that were different and evolve and be different. So your, your influences could be completely abstract and varied because they're people who are seeking interesting stuff rather than being, we wanted to sound like such and such. It's Absolutely. More just the, the attitude or whatever. Yeah. The push Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Totally. Like I say, I don't really like, I said at the start of this, I said I really like music. I do really like music, but I don't really like music. I like mavericks. Like yeah. I like <laughs> So you don't people. have a particular taste that you love, right? No, you yeah. Love like, all of it. You just love yeah. the mavericks in it. Absolutely. Yeah, like, right. You know, like, as a kid, I was when I first got like fully got immersed into music. I realized that like I dislike like ninety eight percent of all music, and that like I really love like two percent of all music. What's the worst band on the planet? Oh, I have no idea. Man. <laughs> <laughs> so many bands. Gossip I, I told myself that I would never talk ill of bands um, after I used to work in the the coffee shop that we are presently above, and there was a lovely lady who used to come in all of the time, and. She she was a massive fan of Mumford and Sons. <laughs> now, I had had the pleasure Say of... Say no more. Um, absolutely. So, like, I, uh, when I played in the band Sweet Baboo, we had played a gig with Mumford and Sons. Like, they were like... A, they hadn't released anything yet, but they were just on, like, a, a kind of, like, a, a pre a preliminary tour before they released yeah. that first record kind of thing. No one had heard of them, and they just rocked up and were Mumford and Sons kind of thing like that. Um, and I... You know, I had a couple of problems with them as a band and people from that one evening <laughs> of meeting them, kind of thing like that. And really, well, before um, the album had even come out, like yeah, well, they, yeah, this there wasn't a positive interaction. <laughs> it wasn't a positive interaction. Yeah, like they they were not the types of peeps I would hang out with yeah. or, or enjoy having a conversation with. And they may, uh, and I maybe <laughs> I've seen you talk to a lot of people. I know a lot of people, <laughs> and like I'm not saying that they're especially bad. I'm just saying that I got them on a day where like. They were like on a train to a, ro- a ville that I wasn't willing to be part of, kind of thing. And, you know, like, and that's fine, whatever kind of thing. This lady freaking loved Mumford and Sons. Like, they were her spe- one of her special bands. Like, she sat, she in the evening times would like put it on and have like just the one loveliest of mo- like moments with this band. And then I remember telling her like just how much I thought little of them as people. Um, from one from one evening like no not even an evening from like 20 minutes like I'm a horrible person for even making that a thing like kind of thing but I I told her I was like man like I did not enjoy their company kind of like that and then like she like wept a little bit like you know she was like just so put out because like this thing which made because people make such wonderful like you know things of the things well, they know yeah. like they hinge their like kind of hopes on it a little bit absolutely but it means that much to them it means that much yeah. to them and that's a wonderful thing and I don't want to take that away from anyone especially after I don't know them like it's not like I grew up with them and they were all horrible to me for like the entire time <laughs> it's like I met them downstairs in club for 20 minutes and they were a little bit boisterous like like my god like that's not a crime is it? Like, and just because I don't like the band it 
it's not a crime. I don't like most bands. <laughs> and so it was like... 98%. 98%. Yeah. I think it's probably changed now. <laughs> that, that was like when I was like a real hardcore punk. Like, you know, when I was like 16, I was like, fuck everything. <laughs> um, um, so oh, hopefully, it's like, I haven't done the, I haven't done the percentages in recently. <laughs> um, it takes a while. Oh, man. But it's funny then, so I guess you're, you're banned to be without trying to like put it down into one essence because I don't want to reduce you guys. It, it's, see, you know, it's seeking interesting sounds, which is what music should be. It's just like finding things that are interesting and running with it. It's not, we're going to try and do this and do that. It's just exploring sounds, right? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think like, that's great. Thanks, y'all. It's like I really like the other way of bands being like, like we're gonna be this type of band. Like I love it when you get like a band that know exactly how they want to be, and then they kind of go for it and they absolutely hit it as well, kind of thing. Like I don't, I don't think like the way that I see the what I perceive to be the perfect creative endeavor as like the best way to do anything, kind of thing. I, it's just the only way that I know that I'm trying to be as interesting as I possibly can mm. within yeah. what I want to but do. But sometimes it's, it's like confidence instilling seeing someone own their identity, right? So if they're, this Absolutely. is my sound, this is what we're going to look like and like they just fucking send it and they do Absolutely. a good job at it. Yeah. And it's great. And that, because it's all communication, right? And so like that is a communication is like a smack in the face which is always cool kind of thing like, you know, and I love that about things. But then there always has to be the flip side of that which is the pure exploration exactly, yeah. of like the folding of the forms, the dissolving of the bridges, like don't see anything as absolutely anything because you're always doing it a disservice mm. if you see it as this, this and this yeah. only kind of thing. And so that should be part of the... The, the narrative that we bring into the new creative endeavours yeah. that we bring. And so do you... Sorry, God, I was going to say, is that a journey you've personally been on as a musician then? Like, have you, like, seek to start a band with this sound or whatever and then you've kind of found yourself in this really happy place with Islet where you're exploring together? Kind... No. Basically, no, but almost kind of. Yeah. So, right, basically, yeah, yeah. like, um, I've always kind of just been in love with the idea of mavericks in music people that like just don't make any sense and just do what they do for the pure love and for the pure creative um uh active participation in, in what they're doing the closest i ever came was that steve from sweet babu wanted to do a welsh language um garage rock band um to kind of to get um to get a, a fun band going that could play like um a lot of shows around Cardiff and that he had this like pure definitive idea of what the band should be to the point of what they were supposed to look like and he asked me to play bass in it and I was like okay I could probably do that I don't speak Welsh though so I'd have to be the quiet person in the <laughs> band and I was like if you're okay with that I'll definitely turn up so then we had one practice booked at Music Box um, Studios the, the, the wonderful studios that is in Cardiff and um, I had got suited and booted in the exact clothes that they wanted everyone to, for the first practice so I rock up to Music Box like this is it I had my garage rock head on I had my bass had my clothes I was set up and they like they didn't turn up kind of thing because like one of them couldn't make it but like because I didn't have a phone or whatever at that point I didn't get any text messages kind of thing and so like I end up sitting around music box just chatting with the legends like for a couple hours like looking like a tool um uh, it's a nice place to be though it's a lovely place to be for sure man now yeah I'd just be there over most places but (laughs) 
I that was as close I ever got to being in like a definitive kind of thing. Everything else that I've ever been part of has always been more the kind of like a, the antithesis to that as right. in being it's like a, a formless understanding that like it's supposed to be trying to be uh, a creative yeah. um, a creative act in a, in, a, in a different sense kind of thing so and I think that's purely just because I just love people who don't understand form yeah you know like kind of thing like that that thing is so so transcendental to me like when bands just go F you to every rule that you've ever understood about this, this and this yeah. and do their own thing. That to me is like, wow, that that's that's the that's the pure like that is the, the juice that gets me like, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. I know you got a quick question, but I just want to quickly ask for the benefit of listeners. I feel like there's you spoke so much about Mavericks. Could you have like two or three who you could list who you're referring to who? You, you know, you talk about these Mavericks. Who, like, oh, okay, yeah, 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 got you. Like, just who, like... Who, pure... are, who are they? Who are the Mavericks? Mavericks, I mean, like... Uh, yeah, there's, like... There's so many Mavericks. I'd say, like, um, in a musical sense, you just got people... Like, you know, like, I grew up in the terms of kind of, like, a, a lo-fi DIY um, setting as being kind of the... One of the, the, the truest... Um, kind of blossoming ideas of music kind of thing. So like Daniel Johnston is a true maverick because he just s- simplified everything down to a, um, a to a wonderful, simple understanding of what music can be and made it as best as he could and has changed my life because of it kind of thing like yeah, that. Yeah. Like, you know, like, um, I love... Um, I love Mavericks in terms of like in 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 a in a, in a different sense non musical. Um, there's a Portuguese poet called Fernando Pessoa. Um, he basically invented postmodernism in Portuguese literature by like having loads of different heteronyms and writing as absolutely different people kind of thing and built up this like body of work um, from the standpoint of being different people, which is just. Well, unheralded it's just like yeah, and like it's it's, it's 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 bled into everything we understand now as kind of postmodern culture yeah. but like he was awesome like he was awesome he's got this book called the book of disquiet which was like found after he died and it was just this massive case um of like just meandering kind of notes to himself which then got collated into a book and it's one of the most wonderful things i've ever read kind of thing like yeah it's awesome kind of thing so you've like you've got a lot of blended influence like these mavericks are all blended in terms of just... Yeah, because you can be a maverick in anything. Yeah. And that's the awesome thing about being a maverick is that you can be <laughs> a baker maverick or you yeah. can be like, like um, you know, a shopkeeper maverick. Like like, like yourself. Like myself. Yeah. I, I would like to think of myself as a shopkeeper maverick. Kind of <laughs> oh, because I like, confirm. maverick yeah. is like... It's You're a, a fucking maverick, man. Cheers to Curly being a maverick. Oh, Yo, cheers. 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 Tiny bottle shop cheers as well. Yes. Yeah. 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 So talking about Maverick and influence, and then like we obviously we can't come back around to the eyelet sound and stuff. How much involvement do you have in the writing process? So it's a purely collaborative um, uh, vibe. Yeah. So like all of us in the band, uh, apart from when I first joined and they had like a bunch of songs written already. After that, since um, since that, um, it's just always been a collaborative vibe. So we all write everything together in the same room. Like some people, you, you, sometimes you'll have like a riff that you've got that you'll bring into the room and you'll show peeps and then it will mould into something else. But it's always kind of made in the room with all of us 
there. Depend sometimes the size of the room changes, sometimes the size of the people in the room changes, but it's always based in in the kind of the moment. And so that's what one of our fundamentals has always been, is that like it's an absolute like, you know, nobody kind of writes an entire song and then comes to the rest of the band and we're like, totally. okay, so this is this, this and this, and then we're gonna do that for that many times and then we do that. Yeah. Like we all have ideas and we all listen to each other's ideas and then we kind of throw ourselves out into it kind and, of thing. And that kind of gives you space to explore outside of the band as well then. How so? Well, do you, if you're kind of like working collaboratively on a song, it'll also give you space as an individual, say as a musician, to be able to go, well, like I could bring this into the idea room, but I don't think this is an either thing. Oh, I can absolutely. work on this as an individual. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I've written like probably like 27 Islet albums, um, <laughs> which are songs that are just like, you know, are just awful. Like, you know, like. like albums, I love it. Yeah, like, yeah, I just yeah, got reams and reams of albums of like stuff where, because like every now and again I'm just like, right, I would love like us to do like an album of kind of like weird kind of things where we do syncopated like drums and then just have like kind of like a string instrument and then we make it like super like jammy and then we just have a bunch of delays coming in and out kind of thing like that so like most of my days I just come up with annoying ideas like that and then I'm like yo let's make that let's make this happen and so then I'll make it happen and then you listen back and be like oh there's nothing I can show to anybody there kind of thing like that like that is awful kind of thing and so I got reams and reams of ideas which are kind of nice conceptual ideas of what possibly could be like the next the thing that we do and most of the time aren't kind of thing but yeah truly like yeah like this really nice having that interpretation and it's to me it's such a wonderful band to be part of because uh there's no it's supposed to be like an open book so mm. like if like if we did all just decide for the next album that we're going to write a um a prog folk record um we could if we wanted to and if everyone was like okay cool i'm on board with that like brilliant probably won't but like you know, it's like, you know, it's that the freedom. We've always got the option. Yeah. Always got the option, you know. That folk prog album, can't <laughs> wait that for that folk one. Folk prog would do the service because it's put in a category. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's mainly the, the crux there. You couldn't possibly kind of like do that because I'd be like, well, that's way too categorized already kind of thing. So, um, yeah. Crystallising that kind of in the idea of the first album. Okay. Was that first album then a similar process whereby there was lots of songs where you guys tried stuff out or did, you know, because you guys toured pretty extensively before that first album. Yeah. So when, when you went in to record that first album, you were like, right, there's a collection of songs we've toured, written, and we know we're going to work. Or was it like experimental? No, it's purely from like playing the songs live. Yeah. So like the first couple of records were absolutely like, we only did albums to kind of keep up with playing live shows because right. we were such a live band and that was where it made the most sense to us was that like we'd write songs and then everything that we'd write, we'd start to play live, and then we'd play live and work it out, and then from there, we'd write, record the album, kind of thing like that. And so we never had any more songs. Like those first couple of records, was that's all that we had, because that's all that we had time to write. Then we'd play it, and then we'd work it out live. And then once we'd work it out live, we'd know what the song was, and then we'd go to the studio, and we'd just then kind of go like, well, this is all we've got. Like that's absolutely it. Yeah. And so it was. We've always been kind of trying to keep up 
with the live shows because we're so busy in that regard by just then kind of making the recordings as kind of like easy and fast and understandable as we possibly could because we did it all ourselves as well it was always one of those situations where you're like we we don't have like the budget to spend months and months on kind of a space and uh, stuff like that so let's be as kind of like kind of DIY as we possibly can you know like that classic thing of like trying to jam Kono has always been uh, an idea of Islet because even when we've had help from people and stuff like that um, there's there's always a sense of like okay cool like let's get this let's get this in the can kind of thing let's work this out we've gotten better like the last kind of like couple of records because we then realized that now what that can be is that means that like if you do recording too quickly and if you kind of if you're if you don't really fully understand like enjoy the studio as a tool to kind of really kind of like pull stuff out then you kind of you're only ever going to kind of make a certain type of record and so we've definitely tried in the last couple of records to really pull ourselves away from just wanting to be like a live band just like slamming it in mm. the studio and then to try and make stuff that is not that way inclined as well kind of thing just so because it's it's such an interesting way of doing things that like it's good to try right yeah. so you've been very experimental on stage from what you've told us are you starting to get a bit more experimental in the studio as well then is that more yes like experimental in terms of like trying to keep it open enough in a studio situation because studios are scary things because like yeah. like we we have been blessed because like basically back in the day attack and defend um mark and bunter from uh, jt from uh, attack and defend and islet um they uh, grew up on a farm and so they were able to turn a barn in the farm into a beautiful recording space and kind of like practice room and stuff like that so we were able to record the first couple of um records and like kind of like ideas of Isla in that space and it like you know it costs nothing and it's just your own time you've got your own kind of like way of doing that when you go into a recording studio they're really mostly expensive and the clock is always ticking mm. and so like as much as you want to be like let's try and find a new <laughs> thing for this bit of the song and stuff like that after like 20 minutes you're like okay cool like that's probably cost us a wedge of money already. Like, do we really, should we just get this done and stuff like that? And so in the back of your head, in the back of my head, there's always a kind of functionality to working in a studio, which is kind of the antithesis of the creative endeavor. And that is a scary thing. And like what we're doing now is trying to be like, okay, cool. I know it's a scary thing and the studio makes you feel like you're the worst musician of all time, but actually you can spend some time and figure stuff out and create in the studio and like make stuff that is not so based in a room and like that. So yeah, so it's, it's a continual relationship, I think, bands and recording studios. And we're, we're coming into a beautiful time now where I think like, people are more like you know studios are so much more available like you know like uh the technology that makes a studio a studio is so much more available and mm. so you don't have to go to abbey road um to make a record anymore yeah. and so this is a wonderful thing we've been living through this um for a while now and even more so peeps have got like setups where they can like you know like 
your guy's setup right now is basically portable. You, you, you can move yeah. to the park now and, yeah, and kind yeah. of do this. You could record a great album with this setup kind of thing like this. Like the the boundaries that are making the creative process and recording process are just dissolving all the time kind of thing. And it's our relationship with that, which is the the, the kind of like, is, is how the next kind of great records are going to be made. Yeah. And, Despite sorry. all that progression though, your first album, Illuminated People, was nominated for the Welsh Music Award. True that. Um, yeah, sure. Big and news. they're like, and they've always been kind of cool in terms of, I think the the people that that made that um, that setup have always just had a keen ear for what is a good, uh, yeah, a, yeah. a good musical kind of thing. And that's and again, like that's a wonderful thing in the world that we have, like music is an industry but also it means so much to people and people hear things that are w magic like you know to them and then they react to that as magic and um i think that's one of the wonderful things about music right is that like as much as it's like you know the industry is all based around people's jobs and paying mortgages and keeping stuff going like at the end of the day, like it's that relationship that you have with a song or just the pure magical vibrational relationship that you have that, it you know, like everyone gets into music because of that. Even the accountants in the biggest record label in the world love a piece of music. Fucking good feeling. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. You know, that good feeling. At the start of this episode, you were, you, when we asked you to describe your sound, you were like, weird, it's weird. It's, you kept saying it's weird. That's the thing. But then, you know, getting nominated for a Welsh Music Award and being invited to support loads of bands and go on your tours and play all these amazing festivals, it validates that, like, there is a space in music for expression, no matter Absolutely. what it is. And, like, it doesn't have to be a specific sound. Like, the weird is, is embraced. Absolutely. Not that your sound is weird, but just what you kept describing it. It's just that, and it's like, that's, that's, that's celebrated still. Absolutely. And that's, you know, one of the things that I feel like we're on the precipice of a really wonderful coming of age of music again where a lot of the the, the kind of the, the foundations that made music uh, a situation that was oppressive and um, kind of decreative mm. to, to, to understand it um, are being dissolved and that like now like for example like in uh, when you guys had Panic Shack on the other week kind of yeah. thing like that like the Panic Shack are one of the most perfect ideas of a band like to me like that's absolutely what a band should be is like people in a band and the fact that the women is an incredible awesome thing that know that it, just anyone can be in a band and that if you want to do it then you just got to do it and work it and then that is awesome kind of thing and they have such a vibrancy and they have such a um a, just a wonderful way of seeing the world that like to me that's that's awesome and weird like that's like panic Shack are like not an industry band they're just like the most perfect idea of like if you saw them anywhere you'd be like oh okay cool like these yeah. guys are awesome yeah. and they're weird and as like, a result people respond to it absolutely i've always said I feel like the music industry sometimes treats the general public like they're stupid mm. and the general public aren't stupid. They respond to like human, like human, mm. like personality. And it's so obvious that you can tell when it's fake. True that, and man. the general public aren't thick and they Absolutely. respond to like authenticity, I guess. Absolutely. So you see bands like that going up and having a crack. People love it. People love, love it. it. Yeah. It's, it's just so awesome. Yeah. And like, you know, that's one of the things that the industry is always 
dis disassociated itself from is that the awesomeness of music because mm. they can't quantify that and so it's always been like a thing of like you can have a wonderful influence like you can have great taste in music and then you can kind of understand that tr trends in music are going to work and stuff like that but like the overriding transcendentalness of just pure awesomeness that homo sapiens <laughs> can fully envelop in all walks of life you just can't quantify that yeah. and then you only know it when you see it and like yeah. I remember we had the pleasure of playing with Panic Shack in mid Wales and you were just like like straight off the bat like you could tell they were vibe dialers anyway because like the first band were on <laughs> they'd already played with them in club like the night before or something like that and they stood straight up like at the front and then were just like okay gig and it was in like a, yeah. a kind of like weird old library kind of thing with like a lot of people just like hanging around and they were just like nope here we go Fucking and they were like well, you know you're just yeah. like okay I like your vibe already yeah. and then they got up on stage you're like yes Boss, this is insane and like yeah you know like you can't you, you know you can't predict that in yeah. an algorithmic format mm. like it's just wonderful life being weird like and but that's where like i know algorithmic formats we always talk about spotify and like about like the availability of diversity now and how easy it is to access all that has, has probably played a huge part in like what you're talking about now this coming of age it's almost it's like a new summer of love right absolutely because everyone's got such easy access to such a like diverse amount. Whereas Absolutely. before you'd have to work really hard, right? Because before yeah. you'd just have HMV in the charts. And yeah. now it's yeah. like... And your mates. And your mates. Yeah. And now it's like you can get lost in a we, completely different world and have internet friends, right? Yeah. In the museum music stuff that you've never even met. Or you hear, sure. you hear so. stories, don't you, of people meeting up at gigs through like Facebook communities of bands and then becoming like best friends. And it's like... What fucking great thing. Yeah, there's that yeah. idols big idols following Facebook thing, isn't it? Oh, Afghan. 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 Yeah. yeah. Oh, so like all yeah. that weird stuff. But that's nuts. that's sick now, you yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. People find like, a home in it. Because like you think about like perhaps like in our like dad's eras or something like that, they'd be like, Right, okay, I'm a rocker. And then within that, you'd hang your hat on a band. Yes. And yeah. that would be your identity. Absolutely. Yeah. But like like, you know, I think most people would go, oh, Bane's like a psych rock head, that's his sort of jam, but like, you know, I was listening to Tupac in bed last night. Oh, right. <laughs> and while I'm on the psych rock thing as well, like, I think, like, I think we're, like you, like you said, we're on the precipice of another summer of love, yeah. and I think, like, a lot of the psych rock music is happening now is better than what happened before. Yeah, absolutely like, it is, dude. Like, Pink Floyd, yes, King Crimson, they got stinkers of albums. They absolutely do. And they've been held at, like, the highest regard. And then 100%. Got, I'm not going to name any band. <laughs> <laughs> but Hang on, let me guess. Let me guess. Let's <laughs> begin with the KG LW. <laughs> that would be one of them. Do you know what I'm saying? Really, really, we're not even going to announce them because everyone who listens to this podcast knows who the fuck <laughs> they are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, like... There are other uh, bands, and they were the kings. Alright, man, you're ripping shit out of me now. I, <laughs> nah, bro, I fucking love them as well, man. I fucking, I'm right behind you, man. But I do think, like that, like you know, a lot of the stuff that's happening now is better than what's come before. Yeah, better than it's come before. Totally. Yeah. yeah. You fuck. You still hear. Oh, they don't make music like they used to. Oh, fuck oh, that, man. Yeah. They're, fuck they're the type that. of people who don't fucking listen to music. They're lazy. Yeah. They're lazy. And that's it for part one of the episode. We hope you enjoyed Curly. There's more to come. In part two, we'll chat about these big gigs coming up and then we'll get his playlist choices. 
Thank you.